This is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast where we watch sci-fi, fantasy, and everything in between. This week, The Ultimate Imposter. Uh, lastly, <clears throat> the data now converted into a language the brain can understand is transmitted into your brain on a very low frequency energy called the alpha 10 wavelength. Now, alpha 10 is similar to the way your brain is just before falling asleep. This is going to take 16 hours? No, we can transmit the data to your brain in 11 minutes. Welcome to Continuing Drag, the podcast fulfilling Jordan's topless Dwight D. Eisenhower fantasy. I'm Luke, <laughs> here with my co-host Jordan. What's real, Jordan? That guy was in ridiculous shape, wasn't he? He looks identical to Dwight D. Eisenhower, <laughs> and then when he's shirtless punching that bag, I'm like, pretty good for a 60-year-old. Yeah, he's an actor named uh, Keith Andes, Andes, um, and I wasn't familiar with him. But then, if you look on IMDb, the first uh, first picture of him is just him, uh, with, like swashbuckling, shirtless. So you're like, ah, that's his deal. Never played Dwight D. Eisenhower somehow, though. Yeah, <laughs> although we do get a shot of Kennedy. That's true. That's true. Uh, did you read he retired shortly after this movie? <laughs> Oh, no, is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But apparently he just was, like, done with acting. His divorce was finalized. His kids were grown. So he just, like, I'm just going to drive a tour boat for the rest of my life. It'll be fun. Wow, you really did your uh, you really did your research. It's all on his Wikipedia, artist IMDb page, I think. And I was just, like, reading it. And I was like, this is Jordan someday. I have to say, though, he was my favorite, uh, favorite character in this. Uh, and by meaning you liked looking at him because that was it. That Danziger? No, he's a, he's a, he's kind of a... Hard as nails, uh, boss. You know, he's that classic character. He's like, ah, oh, I gotta send him out in the mission. He doesn't have a sense of humor. Well, this week we're watching a CBS TV movie from 1979 called The Ultimate Imposter, which is this is the second time they've attempted to make this. Is that right? Uh, the first time apparently was a backdoor pilot as an episode of The Six Million Dollar Man, also with the same title, except imposter spelt with an E instead of an O. And it was like a friend of the Six Million Dollar Man was like, hey, you should drop by, man with a computer for a brain. That's funny, because I did see that the people that, at least some of the um, creatives on this, were involved in The Six Million Dollar Man, but I didn't realize it was a, this was the second kick at it. Yeah, yeah, apparently the backdoor pilot didn't work. So they're like, what if we do a full pilot? <laughs> And uh, uh, I have to say, this really does feel like uh, an extended pilot, doesn't it? Like, like the whole the whole plot we're going to get into, and the whole idea, everything. It just feels like this is a real introduction to this character. Like, don't you don't you love these adventures? Yeah, I mean, it feels like I've watched this pilot a thousand <laughs> times before. <laughs> well, it's because it falls into a, like uh, it's almost a very specific genre that we've seen before, which is like horrible accident results in like superpowers. Of some sort, you know, whether it's invisibility, whether it's electricity, whether it's psychic abilities, or uh, your brain is wiped so you have a perfect brain for adding uh, 16 megabytes of information so you are a perfect soldier. Yeah, I don't know. It was very strange. Um, but it premiered on May 12th, 1979, Jordan. And do you know what else was on the air that we've watched during this period of time? 1979. There's only one TV uh, show on the air at this time, and then one had just ended literally the week before. Um, I can't think of what we would have seen in 1979. Well, on the air at this time was season two of Project UFO. Wow, Project UFO. Hmm. And literally the Saturday before this premieres, uh, Super Train's final episode airs. <laughs> Super Train seems like much earlier than this, doesn't it? Does it? I don't know. It seems about the right era. 
Uh, I guess you're probably right. Still having bell bottoms. This could have been a backdoor pilot on Super Train, like a man with a computer for a brain. That's true. I'll give you that. But uh, you want to get into it, Jordan? Should we get into the ultimate imposter? Yeah, I think we've teased it enough. Great. Here's the IMDb summary for the ultimate imposter. A secret agent is trained by having his brain linked up to a computer. He is then sent on a mission to rescue a Russian submarine commander. The Russian is a defector who has important secrets, but has been captured by an agent of an enemy nation. And that was courtesy of Frank Fob 2. <laughs> well, uh, thanks, Frank. I, I, I like that the plot is basically what it is, but it seems almost like incidental that he has to rescue this Russian spy guy. It's like, by the end of the movie, I was like, what is he doing? Who is this guy? It's not really important at all. No, no, they just needed something for him to like use his new powers doing. It was like, I guess it's this? Okay. <laughs> Like, it might as well be he needs to race a car three times for half the runtime of the show. Well, I did like the opening credits. They've got this, like, weird, like, paint-by-numbery kind of thing where it's, like, stills of the actor, but, like, they, like, bring the different colors in, popping up, and there's a nice little orchestral score. Mm-hmm. Do you think that was supposed to be representative of, like, information, like, la- layering his brain? Was that what they were doing? I hadn't thought about it, but I think you're right, because the very first image is of a, like— x-ray scan of a brain with different colors in it so i think that's a good uh description of what it's supposed to be doing yeah and great theme song 10 out of 10 for that yeah classic for the era all orchestra it's just like real big way too big for the show <laughs> yeah i'd agree with that and it starts in china on the manchurian border where american spy frank monahan is working with a chinese spy who did you recognize this spy jordan no no who was it it's uh, the first role of Rosalind Chow, who you might know better as Keiko O'Brien. Oh my gosh, I'm just looking at her now. I didn't even, I didn't recognize her. It's crazy, I know. I was like, I, I had seen it before I started, so I was watching, and like, she's right off the bat at her, and I, she's so young, you really, once you realize, though, you like, you can see it. She's talking like Keiko, mm. I'm just like, best, this is the best, I'm so happy to see her. But this is a pretty good opening, I think, for it. Like, it starts you right in action. He's basically, it doesn't really matter what he's been doing, but, you know, he's been caught or, uh, at some point. So he's running away from the, the military. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they're chasing him through a, through a series of stuff. I do think the scene with him, though, she's playing um, Lei, Lei Ping, I believe is the character's name. And it's just like, of course, he's had, like, a love affair with her during, during his missions. Because it's, like, a very, like, they're trying for, like, a very James Bond light sort of thing so of course he like he's like she's like oh uh, i'll never forget you some and he's got to like kiss her and stuff he takes time to do that before he escapes uh but he does, he says one of the weirdest uh lines in this i don't know if you caught it they're talking and blah 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 and she's like she's like you run away i'm gonna fight the forces and he goes i know in your culture women hold up half the sky but but uh, i can't ask you to do that and i was like sorry what was that Women hold up half the sky? Is that an expression? I think that might be an old Chinese expression of just like a, in a household that like both both partners play a role. It was it was just it would just seem so odd to say. Anyways, of course she's like, no no no, you're more important than me. I'll 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 fight the people. And he's like, no. And he he goes off. We get a series of like him running, and then he's in a, a water, and he scales down a waterfall. But just as he's like seems like he's going to be able to get away, he gets shot, and then he falls into the water, seemingly. It looks like he's dead. Yeah, yeah. And then we cut to four weeks later. <laughs> yeah. And, and this poor actress, um, uh, Aaron Gray, who plays uh, Beatrice Bucky Tate, she just, it's the worst role. It her is just uh, crying about him and talking about him and swooning over him. And yeah, so the first yeah. one is her crying over him. They're at the Chinese-Hong Kong border, and basically what we're seeing is Monaghan's like, team, the team that backs him up as a spy, has come for a prisoner exchange to get him back. And 
one of the people is this woman, um, Beatrice Bucky Tate. She's his handler, it appears, but also his like part-time lover. And truly, if she's on screen, she's crying. Yeah, it's it's a terrible, terrible role for her. It's and it's it's just all she can. Her whole life is just concerned about uh, old Frank Monahan. Yeah. Who, yeah, by the it, way, I'm going to say, if if there's a real fault to this show, and and there's parts of it that I like, he is got to be the least charismatic lead you could ever put in a show he just i don't find him charming or interesting at all and even worse his chemistry with with bucky is non-existent i mean it's like so many of these shows we watch where there's just like a guy who gets a power but the the guy is the most boring man you've ever met who you want to spend zero time with yeah yeah and i i find him exceptionally that to be the case with this guy he's just he's so bland i'm sorry joseph hacker who played the role but man is he boring well there's also at this waiting for him to come back for this prisoner exchange is his boss eugene danzinger the one who looks like dwight d eisenhower just a real like <laughs> hard i don't know are they in the cia is he like a caa director i can't tell what this organization it's unclear is. i think what it is is like a lot of these shows there's something that's a stand-in for the cia or fbi or something so it's like whatever they've they've come up with some some version of that a a fictional version yeah they never quite specify and then also there is dr jake mccreever who's uh he's there for i guess medical stuff but he seems to be this seems to be like a three-person team who kind of handles handles old monahan well and it, it has a, a an issue that a lot of these shows has which is it seems like there's too many characters even though there's not but like they have all these characters but they a lot of times they don't have enough to do like and unfortunately it really falls on on bucky where she just is like you're like why is she there she's oh, just there to cry bucky has because to do she's there to cry and pine for monahan <laughs> that's what i mean so it's like dr mckeever is is there to talk about specs and then danziger's to be like we gotta send him on a mission and then bucky's there to cry that's that's it so those are characters and like are any of them going to go on the mission with him nope we'll just send him by himself yeah sort of untrue because bucky does sort of go but she just mostly is there to answer the telephone <laughs> Well, there you go. She's not really on the mission. Um, while they're waiting for this prisoner exchange, we get not one, but two back-to-back flashbacks. Yeah, wasn't that weird that they did that? I think it's basically because what they've they've done is they've started mid-action sequence. And what we're going to find out in a couple minutes is that he essentially has had his mind erased by uh, the Chinese military. So because because that's now... Uh, where we're at the status quo, we don't get to see what his cool, hip personality was like. And that is shown in him, like, casually eating an apple. So you're like, oh, what a badass. But so they have to do these flashbacks to show you what he was like before. Yeah, I mean, in his flashbacks, essentially, he was just, like, the best spy. It's like, I'm the best spy. And he's just, like, telling his bosses he wants to work every second month. He's like, give me every second month off with my unlimited expense account. And they're just like, we can't really do that. And he's like, no, I want it. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Well, there's a couple weird things. One, I like that they had to drop that thing, like that very like James Bond. You're like, like you're the best spy ever with uh, that all the ladies love and have the coolest cars and a full expense account. And it's as if like you as like, I don't know, a young boy would be like, wow, I want to live his life. Um, but then, yeah, he's just like a jerk. It's like you have everything you can ask for and you have a job that's cool and, and you like it. And he's like, but I want a month off every other month. I was like, okay, you're you're a jerk then. I don't like this character at all. I don't like that he's... He's already... By the way, he signed a contract. Now he's asking for more. Ugh, give me a break. Being there. I mean, it was the only part I liked about him is like, I also want every second month off. That was the only thing I could relate to. No, I don't like it. You've already signed a contract. Do the job. <laughs> and then the other flashback is just to establish Monaghan and Bucky's relationship, which is just like... 
she is whining that she cries every time he goes on a mission and that he loves she loves him so much and he treats her like he's just like he's just like i don't know you're fine for tuesdays i guess like that's the relationship they have and <laughs> yeah, she's like yeah. i don't understand i'm like i don't know and maybe bucky you need to like grow some self-esteem i think yeah it's again it's it's one of the worst things of this is just how poorly written not only her characters but all the female characters it's bad at any rate, uh, we cut back to the actual plot, and the prisoner exchange happens. They get Monahan back, and as you've said, Jordan, the Chinese have used, quote, biochemicals, end quote, <laughs> yeah. to erase 90% right. of his brain. Yeah, it's funny because the whole concept of the show is it 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 lies on this fact of what they've done, and they talk about, they're like, we don't know what's wrong with him, because when they first meet him, they're like, hey, you're back, Frank, and he's like, is that me? Am I Frank? And he, he doesn't know anything, and... So they've set up this problem because they've wiped his memory, which if you just get into it too much, it's like, oh, this is going to be problematic for a character to be an action star because he doesn't know anything. Um, but but I like one point, they're like, maybe it was a lobotomy. They're like, no, it was biochemical engineering, whatever. Like, okay. But so what we're going to find out is that he's, he. they keep calling him like a blank slate, right? Which don't you think, don't you think like they could have, this could have been better if it was just like, his he I don't know he can't build um, he has a problem with like long term memory or something I it just seemed like they they erased too much of his mind to have him still be a character yeah I don't know it's odd because we don't going to know him so we don't really other than those flashbacks where they're trying to give some explanation but you really get nothing to know about him and when you have him back he's essentially he knows nothing he doesn't know his name he doesn't know his mother he doesn't know anything and yeah they don't play it for pathos like he doesn't seem to care or have any concerns about it. Fine, okay, but then they also don't play any comedy out of it, so there's no, like they don't do anything with it. No, that, that's actually a good point. I didn't really think of that. It it is just sort of like matter of fact. They're like, well, his memory's erased. Anyways, moving on. And you're like, okay, is there any implications of that? They're like, he's gonna be a perfect soldier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at any rate, they've got him back. They've realized his mind's been erased. Thankfully, though, that when they send him to China to steal, I guess, what looked like space shuttle blueprints or something, mm-hmm. they had, as they we heard in the flashback, they had painted a photosensitive compound up and down his back. So they just shine a light on his back and, like, blueprints appear on his back. They're like, well, we got the information we needed. And they just take photos of it. I love it. They're like, yeah, we got it. And then Bucky's like, the only, like, rational person in the room. She's like, guys, they just said they erased his mind. They're like, yeah, well, we do have the blueprints. But I, uh, the one thing I should mention is uh, the, the doctor does say um, when his uh, mind's erased, they say he's in Alpha 10 mode now. Jordan, I really enjoyed that. You're really waving over the fact that you're right. In the room, they're like, we got the information we need. And Bucky's the only one who like raises like a stink being like, have you no emotion? Like this man, his mind has been erased. And like mm-hmm. all you care about is the information you get. And Danzinger turns around escorts her out of the room and then closes the door on her and they just go back to the conversation. They like just walk her out of the room, don't acknowledge her, push her out the door and then just go back to talking about the blueprints. Well, she's been a problem, but I do like that to show just how extensive his memory, his memory is gone is they show a picture as we mentioned earlier. They're they're like, they show a picture of Kennedy and he's like, don't know who that is. And, but like, that's how you know Jordan. They show him the American flag and he doesn't recognize freedom. Yeah, well, that that aside, it's like, this is too much. This is problematic. That even if, like, what we're going to learn, you can give him information so he becomes, 
whatever you want him to be. You need him to be a, a, a master chef. He's a master chef. You need him to be a helicopter pilot. He can do that. You need him to learn uh, martial arts. He can do that. That's all great. But you do have to have information to build on. And you can't just have someone who knows martial arts but doesn't know what year it is or who the president is or how to tie his shoes. You know what I mean? No, that's not what's happening here, Drew. <laughs> that's what I mean. It's just it's too much. 90% to someone's brain is too much. No, well, that's just it. Like, they're like, you've got a great empty head now. We've been working on this alpha computer program, but we have never had a good candidate for it. But I, I think you said it, Jordan. Like, because his brain is so erased, he's in alpha 10 mode. So he's the perfect yeah. person to do this on. Yeah. He's he's more receptive than normal people because he's he's like borderline dead. <laughs> and they're like, well, let's get to it. Wait, wait but first, before we do... Uh, Bucky, come in here. We're sending you on assignment to Japan so you stay out of our hair. And they like she starts crying and they send her away again. They ship her out of the room. I do like it, though, because she's like, she's like, no, I want to be there with uh, Frank, with Frank Monaghan, uh, our lead here. And they're like, no, we're going to send you away. And then and she cries. And then, and then she cries. But at one point she's like, but like he means a lot to me. And they're like, you don't mean anything to him anymore. His mind's erased. Yeah. I like it. They're just so cold. Get out of here. But yes, this is where we yeah. kind of see them do the experiment, which is there's like, you know, a big classic settings computer, magnetic tapes on reels. And they have like, mm -hmm. as you've said, 16 megabits worth of information they can feed uh, and they can change it from computer language into, quote, brain language. <laughs> you know what? This stuff, though, this is great. This is all I really want to show because it's a silly, ludicrous concept. I don't want them to over to explain it and try to make it real. It's it's. It's computer information converted to brain language. Done. Let's move on. So in 11 minutes, they're able to teach him to speak Mandarin. And we get the most boring sequence you've ever seen for a man getting computer information. He sits casually in a chair with a headband on, not reacting. And then, like, the people in the room just sit there watching lights flash. And five minutes goes by and they're like, well, I think it worked. I was like, that's it? That's that's the sequence? Yeah, it was great. And I think part of it is also, um, uh, sorry, Joseph Hacker, but man, is it a bad performance. He just, he's just emoting nothing. So he's just sitting in a chair and you're like, is this, is it painful? Is it pleasurable? Is it in interesting? There's nothing to show because they're just like, how do you visualize this? They're like, we don't. It's just like a, a, a magnetic tape spins. I'm like, okay. Like you can't like, <laughs> there's no like thing where his brain grows or you don't want to do any sort of effect to like give it some sort of weight. They're like, no. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, you know what? They should have they should have done it like a zoom into his head, and it's like 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 synapses are firing. You got like little sparks going. That's well, you what think we that's the seen. premise of your show? You'd at least build some sort of like you know like something, some sort of a sequence, because you're gonna want to do it every episode. So it's like every episode we're just gonna watch a tape spin as he sits there like checking his watch, reading reading a magazine. He's like, oh, oh, there I got it. It it is funny because my note for this scene is I wrote they hook him up dot 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 he's done. Yeah, that's it. That's, <laughs> that's pretty it. much it. But but also, Luke, I like that it's 11 minutes to transfer. It's not 10 minutes. It's 11 minutes. 11 minutes transfer. As they say, Jordan, the 16 megabytes of tape go on to 11, 11 feet of magnetic tape. 16 megabytes goes on 11 feet of magnetic tape. And 11 feet of magnetic tape takes 11 minutes to run. I'm like, is that the breakdown? 
If you're converting stuff to brain language, it is. Anyway, um, there is, however, a drawback to this procedure. They don't know what it is yet, but in their test animals, they've discovered that the test animals can only remember any information for up to 30 hours. So they're a little, they don't know yet. They're going to run this experiment and he he's learned Mandarin. It's worked perfectly. So they're like, great, let's keep feeding him information and just see how it works. And we get like a montage where we just see a stack of tapes. And uh, did you get all the all the various things they taught him? Well, I know I watched the the montage, but I didn't write down what was on the tapes. I, I'll tell you what was on the montage. Let's see if there was missing anything from the tapes. Because we see him learning like martial arts. We see him flying a plane. We see him scuba diving and then skydiving. And then for some reason, he does puzzles blindfolded. Well, you didn't read the tapes. If you would have, they do everything on the tapes in order in the most boring way possible. <laughs> yeah, I, I only want to talk about the last one, but go through them. The the tapes are listed as Aikido Karate single flying a single engine plane scuba diving skydiving hang gliding repair rocket timer was all that was written in the last one so when you cut to that one he's just like poking at machinery and i'm like well i guess that's rocket timing also in that one they're like here's a little hint for what's coming he learns the scientist who recorded the tapes accent as well and i was just like uh-oh and we'll get into it later but uh-oh oh yeah let's let's just say right now it is the accent if i was directing this episode and obviously i wasn't alive i would have just said let's just drop it guys this is not working at all yeah bizarre and the final one of the reels is tennis which we get quite the bizarre sequence when he goes to play tennis well i loved it because for whatever reason they has to have him play tennis and test his skills against bobby riggs and, and i know why this has happened it's because I don't know the exact year that the the Battle of the Sexes happened, but it clearly it was still in the uh, cultural zeitgeist of some sort. So like we'll bring uh, Bobby Riggs and uh, we'll have this constant joke about women tennis versus male tennis. And it's so of the time. It, I just loved it. It's just so dumb. I was just like watching it because like obviously Bobby Riggs, that was this thing he played. He get, played against um, what, Billie, Billie Jean, Jean King. King. Yeah. And uh, that was that was like the big match. And, you know, they made movies about it. He in this role, they're just like, we're going to write you as a raging misogynist. Like, you just hate women. He's like, great. I love it. I don't mind doing that. He's like, and you're going to lose. You're going to lose to him, even though he has the mind of a female tennis player. He's like, awesome. That's really funny. I'll just keep saying how uh, I'm I'm distracted and it's not my fault. I was like, why is he so excited to do this? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think it's just because that became like. That became his selling point, right? And it's like, that's the thing. It's like, it was all kind of done for a gag, right? Like, I mean, we don't need to get into the whole Battle of the Sexes batch, but like, it's just, it's playing a joke. And I just looked it up. This episode came at what, 1979? That was 1973. So it's already an old joke. Yeah, it was really weird. I'm just like, all right, I guess, I guess this is working for somebody. At any rate, we see this whole montage. He learns all these things. And then by the end of it, they're like, well, we figured it out. He's forgotten how to say, talk in Mandarin. Info in his brain can last up to 72 hours. Yeah, which there's obviously a thing like, they, I think they're worried about like an overpower issue, that if he can learn anything and you can just keep adding skills onto him, he'll be indestructible, he'll be indefeatable. So they have to go, okay, well, we have to put some sort of time limit on Yeah, you it. need so a timer. A timer's always good for an episode. Yeah, so... They've gone 72 hours, which I actually think is pretty good for a TV show because it's long enough to do a somewhat extended mission. It's more than like, you know, 24 hours or something that wouldn't really work and I think would create problems later on in episodes if, if this became a series. So I think 72 is a pretty good 
pretty good pick. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, but the results are promising. So Danzinger wants to send Monahan on a Monahan out on a mission. A Russian sub commander who is defecting has been kidnapped by a supervillain known as Ruben Parrots. And mm-hmm. Ruben Parrots appears just to be a wealthy man who uses car racing as a front to do evil in the world. I honestly, I think you're probably even reading too much into it. I don't even think the race car has anything to no, do with it. No, they say specifically. They say specifically he uses race cars as a front. Okay. And I was like, what? I thought it was just like he he's he's wealthy through nefarious means, so he plays with race cars because he has nothing else to do with his time. Yeah, but it was sure, weird. There sure, was why like not? race cars are his front. I'm like, great, whatever you want to do. What, what it really is is it's the 1970s, and if there's an a race car sequence in one of these TV shows, it's not happening because that's what we see constantly in these shows is race car driving. So they're going to send Old Monahan undercover as a race mark race car mechanic to like infiltrate infiltrate his compound. And um, oh, by the way. Uh, Bucky has disobeyed orders to go build a new asset in Japan, has returned without telling anyone, and abandons her assignment to corner Monahan, a man with no memory, and to force him into a relationship in which she wants him to uh, be better than he was the last time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's not great. And spoiler alert, Jordan. He literally doesn't care and treats her exactly the same as he did when he was had memories. Yeah. Well, because he's the same person. He's still a jerk, right? He, nothing he changed not. him whatsoever. It's insane. <laughs> no. No. Um, and again, I'll let me just it's, it's really underline the point. To say there's no chemistry between these two is it's, it's too fine a point. There's zero chemistry. Well, I mean, they're both two non-existent characters. Like, she is crying woman yeah. and he is... A, like blandest man you've ever met it's just like well why do these two even want to talk to each other yeah and i don't know part of me thought at one point i'm like maybe they specifically cast him because they wanted that actual idea of a generic person who could become anything but it's not like he's like a chameleon it's not like you see him uh in his performance when he he gains this information he becomes a different person you know what i mean like he no no he's the same he's, every he's, time. he looks different he acts different he's just the same and it's like and everyone apparently is supposed to be charmed by him but he's so wooden and he's just like hey i'm uh i'm a mechanic and as we're gonna see this next this daughter is just like oh you're so charming it's like he's not he's not charming at all anyway they, they feed monahan's brain with all the cover story he needs and what the assignment he's going on and all the skills he'll need on it like being a race car mechanic and they reveal in this part, they're like, we're feeding you the information from a race car mechanic who specializes in European cars. And we found a real mechanic who's given us the information. He's from the U.S., so he'll be like you. But he was raised in England, so you'll sometimes have an English accent, but only sometimes. It was in a movie where a guy gets his brain erased and then the CIA puts information on him to do spy missions. This was the weirdest part of the episode that he has an English accent, but only sometimes it's as if no one had ever met anyone from a different country that, that wrote this show. Like it's so bizarre. Like that's not how accents work. Yeah. If you move to a country as a child, you can have that accent. And it's not even like they're like, at first I was like, oh, they're writing this in because like the actor can't do a very good English accent. So they're like, but you're really, you're really American. So that's why your English accent is very, isn't very good. But it's not even that because 90% of the time when he speaks, he speaks as an American. And at the end of a sentence, he'll be like, good day, mate. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> there is one point though, when he makes a phone call later on where he goes all English and you're like, 
what why and i actually forgot because you're right like 90 percent of the time he doesn't try the accent so when he does it it's so um it just sticks out so poorly and it's so often you're like why 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 is he doing this accent for two words but that's what happens well, there's like it's the perfect backstory <laughs> yeah, it's the perfect guys and and they do like i like even this the the villain later on he's like he's like oh makes sense for an american that was uh, raised in england <laughs> yeah bizarre anyway he gets a job as a race car mechanic for this uh parrot guy's daughter who's she's danielle she's also a race car driver and he goes to guatemala where they're testing race cars and um she like at the start of it she wants to fire him because he doesn't tune the engine well enough because when she drives it she doesn't go fast enough she's like car doesn't go fast and that's your fault not my fault not because i'm a lady which is the joke they're just like it's because she's a lady the joke actually is that she's a woman driving a race car so why would she be good at it i mean it doesn't make any sense and then he's just like i'll prove to you the car is fast enough I'll drive it myself, but not today. I'll drive it tomorrow morning when I wake up. And they're like, <laughs> okay. So they can have a sequence where they're like, oops, we didn't teach him to drive. And he like phones the CIA and the CIA just like feeds him tapes over the phone. So he can just get information over the phone anytime he wants, apparently. I think what that really was, was uh, them trying to write over a bit of a um, a bit of an issue they see coming up later in the show, which is we have to get him information, but we can't always have him be sitting there in that room. So how is how can we get him other information if we need it last minute? Oh, he can do it through a phone. I think that's really what it was. No, I understand. I understand it was like explaining some of the rules of how information transfer works. It just like was so bizarre because I'm like, so there are no stakes really. Like if he can get to a phone, you can give him whatever he wants. Well, not only that, but. I understand. Like, there's they kind of like joke about it later on when he comes back, and they're like, "Oh, sorry, we should have uh, we should have also programmed you how to drive." It's like, is there no one? There's no one checking this work. They just send him with the minimal skills. Apparently, you can do anything up to up to uh, uh, seventy two hours. So they could have just loaded him with a million skills. It's just how many increments of eleven minutes to feed tape do you have before he needs to leave? You can just keep filling them up. <laughs> That's what I mean. Like, why not? Why not give? Why not let him be able to drive a boat and uh, fly a helicopter and know martial arts and be a mathematician whiz? You can do everything. Just, just send him, and then you, you, you it's all foolproof. <laughs> anyway, he's a good driver now. Except for there's this one good idea that was in this episode was the idea that his brain is faster than his muscles because he has no muscle memory. So when he starts driving the car, it initially he doesn't have much control over it. But like within 10 seconds, he's like, oh, no, I mastered it now. I'm good. And I was just like, oh, that's the one good idea you had here was that like, yes, you've put the information in his head, but his body has none of the muscle memory. And they just wave it away like instantaneously. Well, again, it seemed like almost sort of a note. They're like, oh, he wouldn't get it right away. Uh, just give him 10 seconds where it takes him to adjust. But at any rate, he drives the car so fast, he beats all the records in the world. And so he's proven that his tune-up was good enough. So Danielle is not is hot for him now. She's like, you drove the car so fast. I, I, I'm i so hot for you. Uh, why don't you come to my dad's party tonight? And the bizarre sequence, she invites him to a party because she's so attracted to him now. Mm-hmm. And then Monaghan will not say yes to her invitation, her invitation until she admits she is inferior to a man. And as soon as she does that, she's like, all right, I'll come and give you a kiss. But he she he forces her to admit to inferiority before he'll acknowledge her. 
Well, I think he need, he needs to he needs to draw the line and show who's in charge. It it's was pretty crazy. Bad. It was such an insane scene. I'm like, what is how ha- you're you're undercover. You've been invited to a party. It's like, but I'm not going until you tell me how shitty you are and how you suck and how I'm better than you. And he, she's like, okay. Yeah. Well. Um. And and this is now for the record the second woman he's kissed on the show, and it's the second race car sequence already. Because I I, I can't. Uh, explain how long these race car sequences are they're so long because we watch her driving for like five minutes then he drives for five minutes i'm like guys we only have an hour and a half here there's not enough time for this anyway they go to this party at the super villains place and like they're dancing they're having a nice time but finally parrots who every time we see him he's just like i run my thing like an iron cage like no one gets in here and he's like I should probably send someone to go through the bags of that guy I just hired. I'm like, why Why didn't you do that before I got here? But okay. Goes through his bags, finds some like cat burglar tools. And they're like, well, we better find out what this is about. Why does this race car mechanic have cat burglar tools? Yeah. And uh, I like that his main henchman looked just like Chris Christopherson. Did you think that? I didn't notice, but uh, I, I would believe it. I liked it every time. It's not, it's not Chris Christopherson. They they couldn't get him. But every time he's in the role, it's just like ah, Chris Christopherson. But he's like you're you're like the big heavy. Um, and so they um they're dancing at the party. Monahan and Danielle are dancing, and uh, uh, they get a phone call that like she sh- he should go over. And she's like, oh, uh, your dad, my dad has invited you over for like brandy. That's a real special thing. So you should really be proud of like how great you are that he wants to have have a drink with you. But I was like. She must seem to know this is sketchy. Like, she knows who her dad is. Like, I'm assuming he's not doing this. I mean, she seems to know because he walks her in there. They walk into the room and then she just walks over and stands by her dad. And they're like, all right, let's torture him. I'm like, what? Yeah. And and how they torture him is, is classic, like, like truth serum, sort of like syringe that they have. Although what I liked is before they put the truth serum in, Perot gives a bit of a monologue. He's just like, well, Monahan, we found those cat burglar tools. Awfully odd for a race car mechanic. You know, so it was odd when we checked your references for the job, your employer was giving us information, way more information than any employer would know about their employee. Isn't that odd? And I'm just like, is the CAA stupid? Is that what he's saying? Yeah. I think so. It's like you call for reference like, yeah, no, uh, he's a good mechanic. And also his mom was born in 1975 and he definitely <laughs> went to this university and then he moved it and then he moved here. If you check any of these things, he'll know his own backstory. I'm just like, what What happened? But you're right. It doesn't matter. it matters. They give him truth serum. And for no reason I can see, he is able to just stick to his backstory. I know. it doesn't. It doesn't quite work. I think what they were thinking is he's a blank slate. They've put new information on him, and so that's all he'll pull up when he's forced to be honest. But it's like, but no, he wouldn't. He knows he would he's say, a spy. Like, he knows that yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a spy, and this is my cover, is what he would say, but not in this show. No, no, they're like, he sticks exactly to his cover story where he explains that he's a race car mechanic, and he has Kaplinger tools because he works for rich people. So when he works for them, he steals from them so that one day he can buy his own race car. And... They're just like tickled by that information. They're like, yeah. isn't that sweet? I love that. I love that. That was the explanation that the CIA gave him. And you're right. They all they all like it. I'm like, but he's going to steal from you then. They all like think it's so funny. Yeah. They're just like, isn't that adorable? He's he's not he's not uh, trying to steal like secret information from us. He just wants our money so he can buy a race. I'm just like, you would still fire him. Yeah. But they don't. So like they, they knock him out. Um, or I think he, or he, or as a result of the passes the, out, yeah, yeah, he passes out, and uh, he wakes up, and I like it's an hour forty five minutes left, 
So he's he's wasted uh, almost the whole 72 hours. 72, 70 hours are gone. It's insane. Yeah, he spent it literally actually just fixing a car. That's how he spent his mission. He's just fixing a car. It hasn't been gating information. He's waited till literally two hours left. Then he's going to start his mission. Uh, She's very pleased with him. Uh, This Danielle, the daughter. Yeah, she's like, I convinced my dad to let me keep you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And he's, he's like, great. And she's like, let's go riding. And I was like... Dear Lord, if they're going to go on another car ride. But thankfully, it's horses this time. Yeah, they go horseback riding for a while. And then, like, while they're out on this horseback riding date, they get off the horses for a second. And he's like, I got to go. And he steals both horses and, like, rides away. He rides to the building that apparently he knows they're holding the Russian subcaptain. And he just brute forces his way in. Like, this is a man they fill information on how to do things. He just starts punching everyone he sees and just punches his way into the building. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's funny because uh, you mentioned it sort of like he's out riding with her and he's just like, anyway, and he just leaves. And she's like, what? Like, he doesn't, he's not suave. He's not subtle. He's not interesting about it at all. He just takes off. It's like he looked at his watch and was like, oh, I've got 45 minutes. I guess I better go. <laughs> and you're right. Then he finds two goons. He beats them up. He beats another guy up. He takes the gun, gets in and finds that the, um, and you'll have to explain this sequence to me, but he finds this, um, a Russian spy or this Russian, whoever this guy is. He's a submarine captain. Submarine captain. But again, at this point, I was like, oh, is that the mission? I completely forgot the mission because it's so convoluted because they spent the whole time race car driving. But so he does a thing now here. So the guy looks like he's sleeping or dead. I wasn't quite sure what I was supposed to be thinking. What is it that he does with his little tools here? Well, what they mention is that um, the supervillain, he always keeps anyone he captures, like this sub-captain, in sedation basically so he basically just has Mm. the like wake up juice essentially right okay so he uses that he sort of injects the guy the guy wakes up and he's like uh blah 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 but thankfully they programmed him with russian i love this sub captain he's essentially eeyore from winnie the pooh like he wakes (laughs) him up and the sub captain's like so glum he like sees monahan he's just like I know what's going to happen now. You're going to get the information from me and then abandon me here to be murdered by my Russian counterparts when they come to pick me up because you don't care about me at all. And that is literally his mission is to get the is to get the information and then leave that man there to die. Um, but the subcaptain is so glum about it. Uh, Monhan's like, oh, well, I guess I will break you out of here. Yeah, I, that is funny. They mentioned that at the beginning of the episode. They're like, your mission is to go get the information, but you won't be able to get him back because there's not enough space in the helicopter. I was like, can I send a bigger helicopter? Come on. Now. Yeah, there's only one seat. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, there must be a way around this. Anyways, but yes, it's sort of, he's sort of like, I think what we're supposed to get as a viewer is that he's he's a greater person than, than the CIA thinks he is. And so he's not going to just abandon this guy. He's going to also save him. Yeah, well, I mean, how are you going to abandon him? The guy literally called you out on it the moment he woke up. <laughs> But what I like is as soon as they start, he's like, all right, we go. They start running. <laughs> the Russian sub-captain like immediately trips and like hurts his knee, like like five feet outside of the of the little bunker. I mean, he's been in a coma for like a week and a half. Yeah, he needs his 10 seconds for his muscles to get up to. <laughs> but yeah, they, they're like, let's escape uh, quick. Let's go to the race car garage. And even though it's only a one-seater race car, Russian sub, man, just hold on to the back real tight and I'll drive us real fast. It is funny because it's like, I don't, I don't know anything about race cars, so excuse me for people who really like this. But it seems like an exceptionally small car, doesn't it? Yeah, it's incredibly small. It's like, I don't know, I guess Formula One or something, like a precursor. 
But they race back. Parrots chases them in his car, but they get to the helicopter and like, there's only one seat. It's fine. I'll just hold on to the skid as we fly. And as they take off, like Monahan looks at his watch and it's like, two, one. He's like, well, that's all my brain power. Let's go. (laughs) It's it's funny that they added added that clock, um, that ticking clock, but it doesn't it doesn't matter really he's just like well he made it like the whole thing like while he's driving in they're like there's only five minutes left there's four minutes left i'm like how long is this drive but then he gets there and he's like i've lost my information anyways we're still good yeah we made it to the end it's fine it's like i spent 70 hours doing nothing and the last hour 45 getting us here yeah but then but then so that's it he's he did the mush he did the mission he was successful and then we cut to them back at the office as these shows always have you know back at the office like as a nice wrap-up uh, and and he and it's I I guess the gag is it's to like call back to the beginning of the episode where they're like well it went really well we can't wait to the next mission he's like I don't know I think I want that month off that I said and they're like how do you even remember that we were hoping you wouldn't have changed your contract or something I was just like what well and that's just it and he's standing next to Bucky and like Bucky's like I've been telling him about how work sucks and uh, how he should not do it anymore. <laughs> And they're like, who could have told him? I'm like, what is this gag they're playing where they can't figure out who told him he wants a month off? Like, she's saying it out loud that it was her. Yeah. And then and then he basically, like, like puts his arm around her. They walk out together. And I'm like, so are they coworkers or lovers? They're both. They're both. She's mad, though, that he goes on missions and sleeps with other women because they're exclusive. Yeah. It's not good. You don't even get the craziest part, Jonas. They, they, yeah, they he puts her arm over their shoulder. They turn around to leave after asking for that month off, and they freeze frame. Like it's a classic. Like they freeze frame as they're walking out the door, mm-hmm. and their camera cuts to a reverse angle of Dillinger or Danzinger <laughs> and Doctor McCreever, not freeze framed, just looking at each other, being like, "Oh, those two. And then it cuts back to the freeze frame, and I'm just like, "So they're just standing in the door." <laughs> I loved it. It's crazy. It's crazy, this show, Jordan. Um, do you have any final notes on it before we get to ratings? I don't know. I just, it, it is, it's at all times the the most bizarre idea for a TV show and weirdly also the most generic. Like, it, it, it is so of this time. And we can say that because we've seen so many shows like this where this just fits in and it's just a rather uninspired version of these shows that they it's like they just kept throwing stuff at the wall like one of these will stick yeah 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 well what do you think what do you want to rate it i mean i'm gonna go right down the middle um and just give it a five out of ten like the idea was funny enough uh i mean race cars were fine and stuff it wasn't it was bad like it was fine it's just like the lead wasn't very good and the, i think the characters weren't really thought out and the concept wasn't used to its uh <laughs> of full potential for whatever that may have been so i'll just go right down the middle and give it a five all right all right i liked the very start of it when they're kind of like in China and then they're going to Guam, like there's a, I, the globe trotting and kind of like the Asian region. I thought that was at least unique for this kind of show. Usually it's just like straight to Russia, but they eventually, you know, they eventually get straight to Russia at some point. They're like, Russians are after us. I'm like, well, that's more in line with this period of time. So, but I appreciated that. I liked seeing uh, Rosalind Chow. That was great. It was fun to see her in her first role. That was good. But I'll tell you what, Jordan, my overall emotion watching this is it made me depressed. I was so deeply (laughs) depressed by the end of this. I was like, honestly, this is one of the worst things we've ever watched. I like. Oh, no, it's I not. I think it was the laziest, some of the worst writing I've ever seen. Some of the worst. I would agree with you. It's lazy. Of, like, Real lazy. Every character was terrible. I, I was like depressed by the end of it. It's a one. It's a one. 
<laughs> I don't think it's going to what I would agree with you though. It's it's lazy and uninspired, and uh, it just seems like slapdash and just like thrown together there's no question but i don't think it's quite a one i can't stand this genre anymore jordan like the genre of just like guy who gets a thing i fucking hate it like honestly i was like so mad and so depressed watching this this is like gotta be the my least favorite genre of this kind of like sci-fi show right right well, there you go. So I guess, I guess it's your uh, um, how much you enjoy it is is how much you hate or don't hate this this particular genre. There's nothing in this genre, man. I this is the deadest, most empty vessel genre, <laughs> and like we've watched so much of it now that like I'm just like none of them are good. None of them are ever good. But don't you remember when Leonard Nimoy became a psychic race car driver? <laughs> that was vaguely better, and only because it was supernatural. That's the only thing that makes it yeah. better. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. If there, well, as soon as I saw he was going to be a spy, I was like, "Uh oh!" And like, <laughs> sure enough. But didn't you like the chemistry between him and Bucky? <laughs> this, this thing, she is awful. Like the most disgustingly written character you've like disgusting. The writer who wrote it is disgusting. And then like she can't do any better with the lead. He can't like he's just like I hate women and I don't particularly like the lead of this movie either. I'm like, why are you writing it? But do you remember the scene where the guy was boxing and he was in really good shape, the old guy? That was pretty good. Yeah, but that has nothing to do with the writer. It's just because that character is just like that actor's just like I'm the only good part of this show. I like I look good with a shirt off and they're like, "Well, let's have him in for the 30 seconds he's in this cuz he's out he's in this like hour and a half pilot for arguably 4 minutes." Yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. He actually would have been better. I liked him better. He should be the lead of this. Yeah, 100%. He's the only redeeming part, and it's not enough. It's Jordan, it's not enough. All right. Well, <laughs> so uh, your feelings may vary on on uh, on the uh, the ultimate imposter. He's the <laughs> ultimate one. He's the ultimate one because you could pro- program anything, Luke. And maybe you don't maybe you don't get it. How is he an imposter? He's not even an imposter. Yeah, he's he's an imposter because he pretended to be a race car mechanic that also stole from rich people. <laughs> but he's not pretending. He, you've just installed the information. Like, he is that thing for that period of time. He could pass a lie detector test. <laughs> oh, my God. What a show. Um, that wraps up for this episode. But uh, as we've been doing all year long, we have the opportunity for you to uh, basically commission your own bonus episode. Uh, what we're doing is, it, there's some of these shows we watch, not The Ultimate Imposter, because they only made one episode, and it was one too many as it was. So <laughs> there's no more to watch of that. But some of the shows we've watched, whether we've done a best of, or whether we've taken the escape pod, we've, we've skipped a bunch of episodes. Like, we missed the ta- episode of Time Cop. We're not going to go back for it unless... You want to make a small donation to charity. Uh, we've got a list of charities as chosen by our former guests on our website. You make a donation to one of those charities. We'll go back to an episode that we've skipped of your choosing. We'll do the special bonus episode recording for you. You can get all the information about that. Continuedrag.podbean.com has got that information. Or send us an email, continuedrag at gmail.com. And we can fill you in all the details so you can like figure out how to pick an episode, where to donate mo- uh, the charity money to before you do it so you know you know you're on the right the right track. Um, other than that, we will have clips from the ultimate imposter. And I'm going to tell you right now, Jordan, I had to pull these clips and it was next to impossible to pull seven clips. Nothing happens on this show. Nothing. I'll tell you, one of the clips is two goons drinking a cup of coffee because nothing happens. Not even the part where they put information in his brain is not interesting. Oh, man, you're making me like this so much more. Remember when uh, Bobby Riggs showed up? There's nothing happening in this whole episode. It's insane. Oh, they have race car rides for like three times. They're not interesting to watch, though. 
he kisses three ladies. I think is it three? I guess it is three. But uh, also, three. yeah, not interesting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, all I want to do is watch these movies now. You I, here's the thing. I know you love the genre, and it blows my mind. <laughs> They're just so bad. They're so dumb. They're unwatchable. <laughs> <laughs> But you'll find those seven extremely boring clips on our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. The uh, handle there is at Continuum Drag. And that mercifully wraps up this episode. So, listener, I'll see you next. uh, We'll talk to you next week. And, Jordan, I'll see you next week. I'll see you then. Continuum Drag is recorded in Toronto, Ontario, and Seoul, South Korea. Theme music by James Rick Seedler. Produced by Jordan Delick and Luke Black. Special thanks to Aaron Younes. <laughs>